video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to Hello, watch. my name is Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Hell yeah. Nothing big today, this week, because we don't have any Friday the 13th. <laughs> right, Mark? Yeah, I'm all, <laughs> there's no Friday the 13th. No, we've still got tons. Please, people, come on down and buy our Friday the 13th sets. <laughs> Justin, we talked about you saying at the beginning of the podcast that nothing new has come out. I swear to God, I thought those Friday the 13th box sets would be gone by the end of the first day. And we still have a whole bunch. So please, people. So wait, did Scream Factory do you a favor then when you were like, I want to order more? Scream Factory is like, sorry, we don't sell anymore. It's like, he's not going to be able to sell them. <laughs> they probably, yeah, <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> but you know what? Christmas is coming up. You know, Boxing Day is coming up. If we don't sell them within the next few weeks, they'll definitely go by the end of the year. I have, I have no Oh, yeah. They're going to be that. a Christmas present that people are going to come and pick up. And speaking of stuff people should just pick up, we got two new releases from Gold Ninja Video, Creature from Black Lake, and Don't Let the River Beast Get You. New up-and-coming company? Yeah. I hear they do good yeah, stuff. Yeah, who's the guy behind this line of uh, delectable titles? So, Don't Let the Ruby Scave, for people that don't know, is a film that is directed by Charles Roxburgh and is produced and stars and written by, co-written, Matt Farley. This is the guy who's written 40,000 songs. He's the guy who made his own biopic, Local Legends, which is also available at Bay Street Video on Blu-ray. And this is, like, I would say his most popular movie because it's, like, a straight-ahead monster picture. People know what it is. And it's very, very fun. Oh, yeah. This is so much fun. And I have to admit, the first time, I think I was a little late to the Matt Farley party because, uh, I mean, we talked about Local Legends when you got it in. And it's honestly one of my favorite movies of the last decade, I would say. But when I first saw it, don't, because you and you guys played it at What the Film Festival. Yeah, you were pretty lukewarm on it because I remember I was like, oh, yeah, I'm bringing out Local Legends. You ever see his movies? And you went, oh, yeah, I saw uh, River Beast. It was fine. Didn't you watch it at home too? Because didn't you get a screener? Yeah, because I was review. I was doing a piece, and Peter got me a screener, and uh, I watched it with my brother, who's like a big fan of bad movies and stuff like that. And neither, both of us were just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is really, really working for me. Like, it's okay, it's okay. But then time went by. Watched it again after Local Legends, and I loved it. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what switched. Maybe I just, maybe my taste changed in the last six, seven years, and I just appreciated it more. Well, I think the thing is that people going in expecting, like, a bad movie to laugh at it will reach, like, a wall. They're going to be like, what is this? Like, yeah. they're in on the joke, but it's not like The Lost Skeleton of Cadaver where they're making right. fun of the movie they're making or doing bad on purpose. It's such a weird balance that's almost impossible to explain and you care about what's happening by the end of the film like it's not just a joke yeah that's exactly right i think i just wasn't prepared for the earnestness of it of it which i really love because i think too many movies are like super ironic and just like mocking and that doesn't really do it for me either like that whole like sharknado kind of thing or whatever i mean i feel like somebody's described it this way before but it almost does have an altman-esque sort of like community like portrait of a community kind of vibe as well as being kind of a riff on creature features i mean river beast is just packed with non-actors there's like 30 characters in this movie and it's one of those things that 
if you're not paying attention of how like complex the screenplay is and how everything is measured out and how you have to see this character then that character and then it all intermingles in a way that feels so natural but is actually incredibly tough to pull off but it does and it keeps on that level not enough people know about matt farley because just no the mix of tones that he is able to put into all of his movies and somehow still make it really well done successfully done he pulls it off unlike any other filmmaker working today i think and nobody knows about him i mean nobody outside of like you know extreme cult outsider cinema circles seem to know about him and i get into this and yes i wrote a book on matt farley and charles roxburgh that it's their partnership makes the movies that matt um, a way to explain his filmmaking style is almost like constant embarrassment. It's like he wants <laughs> it to be over. He wants to get it done. And Charlie is like the kind of like patient rock guiding the technical side and like their wry senses of humor together make the movies the way that they are and this release this film has never been put out on blu-ray and not only is it in high definition i did a new commentary track with uh, matt farley and charles roxburgh uh the old commentary track on the dvd has been ported over there's a new a third commentary track with me and will sloan my co-host on the important cinema club and who also co-wrote the book moturn on moturn which you can get on amazon and there's so many special features we i interviewed basically everybody that i didn't interview on the local legends disc and it's that's all included there's a short film charlie shot on 60 millimeter that's included he shot like a seven minute documentary just himself with his friend about the short film just for this release there's also the uh finale to the druid saga which was the earlier film they made in the filmmaking career that has never gotten a proper release they made the movie they looked at it in i think it was like the mid 2000s and they went this is too weird and too dry no one's gonna get this they put it in a drawer (laughs) and never released it never put it online nothing this is the first time it's escaping (laughs) into the world included on this disc wow man and for such a cheap price too oh man this is a criterion level pack (laughs) right here like criterion who cares about them this is where it's at oh and there's a booklet of course and yeah it's classic golden javito style and i'm gonna try to go really fast through the second thing creature from black lake this is a classic bigfoot movie um when you go into the bigfoot canon this one is usually at the top and the reason that i put this one out this month is the guys who make the uh don't let the river beast get you uh matt farley charles roxburgh and their friend tom scalzo they do this thing called shock marathons where they watch as many movies as they can in 48 hours. And this is one of their favorites. So this disc is honoring the kind of movie they love, regional horror movies. So on Creature from Black Lake, I did a commentary with all three of them where we talk through the film. We talk about like why they like it, why this movie works for them. What is the things that they would bring to their own creative endeavors? And the other films on the Creature from Black Lake disc continue that kind of path. I included... The William Greffy film. I can never say his last name correctly. I know. Is it Greffy? Yeah. Impulse, (laughs) a.k.a. I Love to Kill, where William Shatner plays like an insane, (laughs) psychotic, like, it's like the stepfather. And, uh, of course, there's a secret feature, like there always are on all the Gold Ninja video releases, except for the director's cult ones. And so on that as well, there's a conversation with those three guys about how they started their horror movie marathon, their favorite films, their worst films, what it means to look for those VHS-style movies. There's a conversation with me and Will Sloan where we talk about regional horror movies for like 30 minutes. And there's also a 30-minute kind of uh, lesson that I give on how to set up the perfect horror movie marathon. All of this stuff on this one release. Wow, that is 
Awesome. I've never actually seen Creature from Black Lake, so I need I'm gonna pick that up immediately and watch that because I mean I love Boggy Creek and you know, I love Bigfoot stuff. Oh yeah, it's definitely like that. And on the commentary track, I have to recommend it because near the end, we uh, start pitching a sequel to Bo- to uh, Creature from Black Lake. And like, we're joking about it, but it ends with Matt Farley going, no, no, we're going to make this movie. So I've spoken to him since they've started working on it. Uh, it's on their schedule. So see it come to life in that commentary track. Beautiful. <laughs> No, that's the great that's the great thing about these releases, particularly these two. I love that, you know, you've kind of like themed them together to both come out this month and you can just feel the love on these releases, which, you know, isn't always the case with releases on uh, physical media these days. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on, we got Pumpkinhead, Limited Sealbook. All right. You guys know Pumpkinhead, right? <laughs> yeah. Spe- speaking of not really, you know, feeling the love. I don't know. I mean, Pumpkinhead's already been out. So this is just a steelbook. I think they did another restoration of it. Did so they? It might look... I-, I think they sometimes boast like new 4K restoration because they did it on the Piranha disc. Yeah. So I think they might have on this. I might be wrong. But I mean, I do love Pumpkinhead. Uh, but if you've already bought the prior Shout Factory release. I don't know how much how much more you're getting on this. I'm more of a uh, Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwings oh, okay, kind of guy okay. or <laughs> a Pumpkinhead. I don't remember what the other two were. Uh, the made-for-TV sci-fi original ones. Right. I never made it past the first one, strangely enough, even though I do quite enjoy Blood the Wings one. is directed by Jeff Burr. It reveals that Pumpkinhead is like a mentally handicapped boy that's been like reincarnated as Pumpkinhead. <laughs> And there's a really right. funny scene where Pumpkinhead is like um, kind of strutted up and shot with shotguns. And it's just like a dummy being blown away. <laughs> Love that scene. <laughs> like one of those gas station. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like, it, you know, those shots before someone explodes and it cuts to like a still dummy for like half a second. Right, before right, it's, right, right. it's just a Pumpkinhead kind of figure being blown away. Love it. Well, Pumpkinhead 2, we also have here from Shout Factory. So pick it up as well. Uh, I should point out that the Shout Factory release does not include the commentary that Jeff Burr did on the full screen DVD. Ooh. So, you know. Okay, well, maybe don't pick it up then. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have both. Uh, we also have the Captain's Collection. This is a series of documentaries that William Shatner made about the captains in the Star Trek series. Yeah, don't really have much to say about this one. Uh, people like Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. If you like Star Trek, you're going to like this. That's our go-to for stuff that we're like, we got nothing else I to know. say about I this. I mean, this already came out on DVD like a decade or so ago. So, I mean, I'm not sure how worthy of upgrading to Blu-ray it is. I need to see William Shatner every single pour. Yeah. <laughs> we also have The Ape, which is a classic Boris Karloff movie, uh, one written by Kurt Siodmak. So there's probably some brain switching going on in this movie. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. You know, you put Boris Karloff. How, how did Kino get on this and not Shout Factory? Yeah, I'm not sure. Kino's got a few culties, cultier sort of releases coming out this October, uh, many of which we haven't received yet, which is why we haven't talked about them. But uh, this is one that arrived on our door. I don't know. I don't know how they got this. I feel like Shout Factory would have loved to put this in their collection. So we also have Dominion prequel to The Exorcist. This is the Paul Schrader one, and it's bad. The, neither of these movies are good. <laughs> yeah, I I was really excited to watch this. I remember when it first came out because like... Of course, because you're like, this is the movie they didn't want us to see. I know, right? At Exorcist, the beginning, the Rennie Harlan version that they reshot is a terrible film. Even worse than this one, I would say. Well, what's good about this one... Oh, no, not good. It's This one is different in a a terrible in a different way it is like, it's just kind of boring honestly i, I mean they're both, they're boring, both boring to be honest yeah. they both lose the magic you get from like even like the second and third exorcist which you know like the second one is bad but at least it has its camp value the third one 
I'm not a, quite as big a fan as everybody else is, but there's a lot there. It's that's, too popular now. You're like, it's too popular. Yeah. You know, I just expect, maybe I expected more from Paul Schrader. I was once at one of those horror debates where someone, they got the crowd to vote that Exorcist 3 is a better sequel than Dawn of the uh, Dead. That's insane. I would never say that. <laughs> I mean, Exorcist 3 is, is good. I'm not sure I, I love it as much as everybody else does. No Dawn of the Dead, though, that's for sure. Uh, so we also have uh, The Haunting. What do you have to say about this? This seems like right up your alley, Mark. Yeah. Um, well, I did see this at the drive-in when I was a kid, I remember. The drive-in? <laughs> yeah, I went to see this at the drive-in. Um, yeah, because you need to be in an enclosed car so no one could hear your screams of terror. <laughs> it was the perfect movie for a drive-in where, you know, you don't really have to think about it too much. You know, you're hanging. I think we, my family and our friend's family, we all kind of went together and the kids were in one car and like the adults were in the other car. It was like one of those scenarios. I don't know. I don't really remember much about it other than it was just like big and bombastic and nothing at all like the original 60s film or the original short story novella. I would have thought that you would have revisited it because it would have fallen within that kind of Dark Castle-ish remake kind of stuff. There was something a little bit too sanitized, I think, about this. It was a little bit too much of like a... Almost like a Jurassic Parky sort of like family adventure type thing they were going for. Aren't you like a Yann de Bont guy too? You know I am. I, I mean, uh, I of love course Speed. you are. <laughs> I, I just guess that it's Speed and Twister, right? Like so. I mean, Yann de Bont, me Speed and Twister are great. Everything after that, I couldn't really care less. Tomb for. Raider two, the Cradle of Life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know this one. I mean, this is being put out as part of Paramount's presents line. So it's being, <gasps> wait, so this, it's a special edition. It's actually a special edition and it's pricey. You got to drop about $40 for this bad boy. Um, I don't know if it's worth it. We've definitely sold a few copies. Have, I mean, has Paramount already hit the bottom rung of the catalog? So. Like, like the haunting is what you're putting out. But I mean, I don't think it's ever been on Blu-ray before at all, though. I think this is a Blu-ray debut. I remember it was one of those special editions that probably came with like those fold-out books and stuff like that. I have a vivid yeah, memory yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember inputting it into our system and we had like six DVD listings for this thing for like when it first came out, there was like the DTS edition and the special edition. Like they <laughs> So you know what? Maybe people love it. We're just, Maybe. you know, out I mean, of the it's, We sold a bunch of copies of the DVD when it first came out, but I chalked that up to DVD just being a new thing. And that was just a new movie out at the time. That was like 99, 2000. I don't know. I just feel like if I go back and rewatch this, it's just going to be boring and kind of disappointing. All right. So let's move on to the classics, which somehow The Haunting is not in. We have The uh, Gunfighter. I, 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 I debated what uh, what section it should be in. We have The Gunfighter. <laughs> uh, this is the Henry King directed film starring Gregory Peck. Probably Henry King's most famous picture where Gregory Peck plays a gunfighter who's beaten everybody and that weighs on his soul because his life is hell. It's a good movie. You should check it cool. out. I mean, I'm not a Western guy, so I've got... No, so you don't you don't. So touch I don't touch this, this with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> we also have uh, The Hit, which is the Stephen Frears directed film where a very young Tim Ross um, takes Terrence Stamp to be assassinated. I remember enjoying this one. I yeah, saw I've never it. seen this one. I like Stephen Frears' other things. Uh, this was always a hugely popular DVD. So this is just kind of a straight Blu-ray upgrade. I don't think they've really added anything that wasn't on the DVD. But if you want to upgrade... We got you covered. We also have a Back to the Future, the Ultimate Collection. All right, I'm yeah, moving on. There's a new I Back mean, to the Future every couple years. It's on years. Ultra HD now. This is the big get about this. So it's the first time on that format. There's some new extras that were not on the previous. Like, How are there more extras? <laughs> I know, the previous edition. I don't know. They've dredged up some more extras for this. 
I don't know. We actually have not have barely sold any of these. So I guess the Back to the Future, you know, I guess people are un- unwilling to rebuy Back to the Future. Yeah. Not again. We also have My Neighbor Totoro and Princess Mononoke. Uh, we can uh, limited skip these, books. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we have Adaptation, a collector's edition from Shout Selects. Right, right. Mark? It has a total of one featurette on it. And I think maybe a theatrical trailer or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I get a feeling they thought this was going to be a bigger deal than it was. And they still have to put it out. I don't know what here. happened with this one. Because this was on Blu-ray previously from Image Entertainment. Because they had licensed Sony's catalog a long time ago. And there was nothing on that, like not even a featurette or anything. And then it was, it's was it been out of print for a while and Shout announced this special edition, part of the Shout Select thing. It kind of almost coincided with Charlie Kaufman's new film. So we thought this was going to be kind of loaded with, with extras. Well, I guess Charlie Kaufman doesn't do extras, neither does Spike Jones. I guess maybe they were hopefully in a wrangle Nicolas Cage or... And they don't do fan commentaries, really, shout and or like academic ones. They should. But uh, I think they're too big a company and they're probably worried about lit- litigation or I don't know. Do it, shout. Do fan commentaries. Well, they're that's fun. lame. Yeah. Because Adaptation is a great movie. It's a lot of fun. It's really, it's really, it's great. It's one of Nick Cage's best performances. It's just, it's all around you good time. should get some screenwriters on there to talk about the structure of the script. Yeah, There's a whole right? bunch like, of stuff so you could much... do. So much you could talk about, and I don't know. Somebody dropped the ball big time. It could be like the people in charge sometimes, like they don't allow them to do anything. I don't know. I don't know how it works. That's true. Or maybe they had stuff planned and it fell through at the last minute or something. Who knows? But I mean, we've still been selling tons of these because it's just been out of print. Yeah, no, we've sold, God, almost upwards of 20 of these now, which is like, you know, the same amount we sold of something of like Glengarry Glen Ross, which had more extras on it, you know, and it's a bigger So we deal. also have Picnic, this 1955 film where William Holden, uh, I guess he romancers Kim Novak. Yeah, something like that. Never seen this one. And I assume they do it on a picnic. I, I think so. <laughs> the synopsis is the morning of a small town Labor Day picnic. A drifter blows into town to visit an old fraternity buddy who also happens to be the son of the richest man in town. Hal is an egocentric braggart, all potential, no accomplishment. And he meets up with Madge Owens, the town beauty queen and girlfriend of Alan Benson. Ooh, I think some drama is going to boil over. I think so. Sounds like it could be romantic. Uh, This was a a title that Twilight Time had put out years ago uh, in a limited edition set and then went out of print real quick. So people have been wanting a re-release of this because I believe the old DVD is in full screen, which is kind of, I know. And I think it's like a scope, like two, three, five to one shot film. So that must look terrible on a full screen DVD. But uh, now it's back on Blu-ray. So if you missed out on that Twilight Time release, We also have Anne Frank Remembered. Okay. This was a big documentary at the time, right? Aren't there like, (laughs) like, figures that not replace Anne Frank, but are an analog for Anne Frank in our modern day. I don't think that will ever happen again because news media just moves too fast. It does. Yeah. Anne Frank is just, you know, the go-to sort of like history lesson about, you know, trying to survive in the midst of terrible times. And I I don't know. I, I remember actually seeing this documentary in high school, like in the high school history class, I think. And I think it was maybe nominated or won an Academy Award for Best uh, Documentary at the time. So this was like kind of a big deal, you know, 25 years ago. I mean, this kind of stuff is just to make boomers feel better, where they're like, it's not as bad as it was back then. And it's like, but people are suffering in different ways or pretty much the same way. Well, that's the thing. We've come so far from not to take anything away from the Anne Frank story, because it is an important story. 
but we seems like we've come so far since sort of like the crotchety old remember Anne Frank kind of history lessons. So, so we also have Sergeant York, uh, some good old Howard Hawks propaganda starring Gary Cooper. It's a good movie. I haven't seen this one. We also have Sunrise at Campobello, which is a biopic about Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, this seems like a big budget folly maybe i don't know i feel like i never really heard about this yes i think it's mostly known as that that they like focused on the incorrect things again i've never seen this one uh we also have reversal of fortune now mark did you see this one directed by your favorite barbara schroeder and it's about alan dershowitz played by ron silver i know you know i've never actually seen this film and i I, we've talked about barbette schroeder and how my love for him and yet for some reason this one just never i i just never got to this one i'll definitely check it out i mean i love jeremy irons um but and i love ron silver for that matter you're not gonna check it out don't lie to me (laughs) one day i'm gonna sit down and do the whole barbette schroeder filmography start to finish (laughs) so we also have drop dead gorgeous uh which is the classic did this come out in the 2000s or the 90s 99 so right on the edge uh this is the one about a beauty pageant and it stars kirsten dunce amy adams ellen barkin denise richards kirstie alley allison janney and britney murphy what a cast of stars what a cast and this is a great movie if you haven't seen it It definitely has that like christopher get guest kind of style thing i saw one interesting review by a critic i trust that was like or straight guys shouldn't try to do camp how do you respond to that? Okay, so I, I actually didn't even realize... I, I can't even remember who it was that directed this film. He only made one movie. I looked on Letterboxd today. So yeah. I didn't... I wasn't aware he was straight or what, you know, what his sexual orientation was. I don't know. I think this movie is pretty bang on. I mean, for me, it's like... It's got that Christopher Guest sort of mockumentary thing. But to me, it's like way more biting and satirical than even Christopher Guest stuff, which I'm kind of like lukewarm on. How, you're lukewarm on Christopher Guest? Yeah, I don't know. It's stuff. Just... Even this is Spinal Tap? Yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, oh. it's, I know, I know. Oh, I know no, I'm no, sorry. no. I'm, you know what? I'm not a mega fan, but I love this is Spinal Tap. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like, I wouldn't say I don't like his stuff, but I've never gone back to rewatch a film of his. I'll say that. Uh, whereas Drop Dead Gorgeous, I don't know. There's just something so funny and dark How does it about compare it. to the one I always confuse it with? Jawbreaker. I would say it's better than Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker is a bit more of like a guiltier pleasure. I, I can see this flaws in Jawbreaker, even though I think it, it's also a good movie. I think Denise Richards is in both, right? It's not. She's just in the one. Who is somebody? Yeah, I can't remember if somebody's in both or not. Oh, maybe I'm just confusing her with Rose McGowan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rebecca Gayhart and... And Julie Benz. Yeah, I don't know. Drop Dead Gorgeous is just like an all-time classic for me. And I feel like it, it's it got respect now. I feel like I, I don't know anybody who hasn't liked this film. So mm-hmm. I don't know. This review that, you know, it's a straight guy shouldn't do camp. Anonymous. I don't know. I mean, I thought he did it pretty well. I mean, I don't even really see. This the... was a three out of five star review. So it wasn't even very negative. <laughs> you know, I don't really see it as camp, though, either. I just may, maybe it is. But I just I just see it as a really strong satirical. How about? you listener if you haven't seen the movie pick it up at bay street video see this did you see this trick i did mark by playing the devil's advocate if they haven't seen it they need to come and check it out for themselves i like it <laughs> check it out uh, it's available for rent for sale please do it's a good time you'll laugh your ass all off. right so we also have space ghost and dino boy the complete series from warner archives no yeah this is not the fun space ghost like the funny space ghost this is like the straight 
Hanna-Barbera is trying to rip off DC and Marvel's face Yeah, ghost. there's a fondness for these things, though. These always sell for us, and Warner Archive's really in the market for... It looks like they're putting out one of these kind of classic cartoon shows every couple months or so. Uh, we also have the complete Hal Roach Streamliners Collection, Volume 5. If you've gotten the other four volumes, don't miss up on the Pitts and Somerville plus other rarities collection. Why would you stop if you bought all four? You know, just go for the fifth. <laughs> just go for the fifth. It doesn't oh, wait, matter wait, what it didn't... is. A company do like a big um, animated release that's come that w- came out this week. I mean, technically next week. Yep, yep. There's a there's a Flintstones box coming out. That's that's something we'll get to. Coming out as if it's in the future, even though you can't buy it now. Basically. I know, like next week. Yeah, <laughs> it's a right now. All right, so we're moving on to the new stuff. Mark had decided <laughs> that new, I talked new, too new, much, new, so new, he new, handles new, the new, new now. Go, Mark, take it. Well, it's okay. Yeah, you know, come on now. Let me uh, let me take the lead on something here. <laughs> let me do something. <laughs> please, um, Justin, let me do something. <laughs> please, let me do something. Uh, so what do we got new this week? We've got Cutthroat City, which is the new movie from Riza, who, of course, made The Man with the Iron Fists. This movie is basically kind of a, um, so it's a story about four friends in, like, post-Katrina New Orleans who basically turn to, like, to heists because, you know, to make money. So it's kind of like a heist thriller It kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, a Dead Presidents kind of vibe, like that thing. But I don't know what's wrong with this movie. It just felt like so sanitized. It just felt like a movie. All the dialogue felt fake. All the characters felt fake. Um, It's got a pretty impressive cast, but and it's long. Like, it's a solid, like, two hours plus. So... It, see, it seems like he's trying to go for this, like, epic Dead Presidents kind of vibe, where in that movie, if you haven't seen, it's basically about a bunch of friends and their relationship when, when they're kids, and then they become bank robbers by the end. But, you know, in between, they go to Vietnam, and then there's, like, a lot of interpersonal stuff. And it seems like he's trying to do that with this, but it's just not very well written. It just – and it kind of has this, like, comic booky Netflixy kind of sheen to it that just I don't know it just like turned no, me off. What you what what you're trying to say is it has a Walter Hill's The Warriors director's cut kind of sheen. Maybe to it's it. that. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit like the opening credits are this like comic book kind of like motif, and like I get it. Like Rizzo likes comic books, I guess that's fine. I mean, I like him a lot, but I don't know. It just this one just didn't work for me. But you know, needed martial arts. That's what it needed. Maybe yeah. Uh, but if you're looking for like an action movie, it's definitely you know filled with some pretty decent action sequences so if you want it's an action movie i thought it was just a crime thriller no it's actually like it's got like full-blown action scenes in it so huh yeah i mean oh, it's kind of a mix of the two. Oh no <laughs> i know it's just kind of tonally all over the place and not necessarily oh, in a I good do like way that. uh and then we've got alone the 2020 alone now if you're confused by oh, this the john himes one right i'm so excited i've seen it. it's good yes i hear it's great unfortunately that is not the film there are two movies made in 2020 called alone which is What's our bad title sound again? Oh, uh, da da Yeah, no. people need to start, stop calling their movies Alone, by the way. Especially when there's two movies in the same year there's called like Alone. There's like 30 movies called Alone. But you know what? I think that director Johnny Martin, the man behind the great Casper Van Dien film Skeleton Man, and the great Al Pacino film Hangman, uh, that's sarcasm, by and the way. And also the great Nick Cage, yeah, also the great Nick Cage movie, Vengeance, A Love Story. Oh, no. So. <laughs> Uh, if something has a love story in it, but it's really not, you know, you're in bad territory. Uh, so this is a like a pandemic thriller. So it's very relevant to today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It stars Donald Sutherland's in there. So, I mean, that's the biggest like name recognition you're going to get. Uh, I don't know. I hear this is pretty bad, though. So uh, 
in better news alone, the John Himes film is coming out in December. So we'll talk about that. Yay! Probably have better things to say about it. Uh, then we've got The Vanish. Spe- speaking of uh, titles. Uh, uh, this is uh, a film. This is Peter Facinelli's directorial debut. You know him, right? He's the actor. He's probably best known for the Twilight movies, but he was also in Can't Hardly Wait as Jennifer Love Hewitt's like douchey jock oh, boyfriend. I like Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, no, it's a fun movie. Uh, so he's directing this. It's uh, it's like a missing child thriller with a great cast, co- including Thomas Jane and Hesh Do you know they're dating? and Jason Patrick. <laughs> are they really? Yeah, Anne Hesh and uh, Thomas Jane are. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Well, they play a couple whose child goes missing. Maybe they met on the set of this film. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe you can see the sparks on screen. Maybe. Probably not, though. Uh, and then next up, we've got a big, big home video premiere here. It is Tremors, Shrieker Island. And what's that? And it's that? this week's Blind Boy! <laughs> I died. <laughs> so we die? picked this one, and Mark did the heroic thing, is that he admitted he had never seen the original Tremors, and you went and watched it. What did you think of the original Tremors? So, yeah, we <laughs> I shamefully have never seen Tremors, even though I've always been interested. Um, had you never turned TBS on in the uh, late 90s? Yeah, well, to be fair, I was just going to say I've probably seen parts of Tremors like over and over ad nauseum on TBS. But you know what? Now is a good a time as any to revisit it, especially since it's coming out from Arrow Video in December anyway. So in a big UHD collection. I'm going to be brutally honest here, though, and Tremors did not do that much for me. Um, it was okay. I like the effects. Uh, you know, I, I like Kevin Bacon. It just had a little bit too much of a family-friendly vibe. And I know it was initially supposed to be like an R-rated film, and then they cut out all the swears and everything. Did they? I did not know that. Yeah, apparently it was R-rated at first, and then they were like, oh, we'll cut out all the F-bombs. Tremors is a weird thing, is that when I was a kid, like... Uh, we had Tremors fever. We love Tremors 1 and 2. And I think, and seemingly the whole world did. And I think it's because it was delivering a monster movie with no frills, no real irony either. It was novel enough to be fun to watch. And that's why people liked it. I, that's all it comes down to. It is not a movie I revisit. I don't think I've seen it since uh, probably TBS 15 years ago. Yeah, no, I mean, people obviously have a ton of love for this, even like when this new one came out and then the Tremors, the Arrow set got announced. We've been having customers come in just expressing their love for Tremors ad nauseum. And I I get it. I I see what people like about it. I think as a kid, I might have gotten a lot more out of it. It just had too much of a hokey vibe for me that like that twangy, like country kind of soundtrack. I mean, I know love Kevin. uh, You love Kevin Bacon. I do like Kevin Bacon and he's fun in this. But it wasn't enough to really capture my attention. I just found myself starting to lose interest at a certain point. And I do like the Graboids. I mean, they're great in the first one. They definitely are like a feat of special effects magic. I love it. But at a certain point, it just became kind of this boring, like, we got to stay on the roofs to avoid the Graboids. And it just, I don't know, didn't get, maybe I'm just becoming like hardened and more crotchety. But for some reason, it's like with this and with Little Monsters, these movies that people really liked when they were kids in the 80s and 90s when i'm watching them now they're just not doing much for me well maybe you just don't like these kind of movies because the question i always ask and i'm not even going to jump on the bullet for tremors or the grenade for tremors is that like what is a better version of this like this is the question i always ask people and then if they can't answer then maybe it's not for them 
like this particular genre. Right, yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe like the whole creature feature thing. Oh no, we're adding it to the list. I know. Musicals, Cre- Westerns, creature features. I just felt like, I, I have to, like, I really hated the score of this. I just hated like that country Western kind of vibe that this had. And I think that's like, <laughs> really? well, that's like a big part of it. I know. And I know like Reba McIntyre is in it. Yeah, it had this like. I don't, I don't know this, like, I hated the score. There was something really irritating about the score to me. And it just had this, like, family-friendly, like, early 90s polish to it that just, I just want a little bit more, maybe I just wanted a little bit more edginess or something. I got the movie for you. It's directed by our man, Peter Hyams. It's called The Relic. And you know what? I've never seen The Relic either. And that's a weird one because that's, like, right in my wheelhouse. And I'd always wanted to see it as a kid. But that's one I've always meant to catch up with. So are you recommending wait, that? Wait, do you like Deep Rising? Have you seen oh, that yeah, one? No, I love Deep Rising. Yeah, that's the thing. So Deep Rising for me. But Deep Rising is kind of family friendly like that too, isn't it? Uh, Deep Rising's pretty R-rated though too. Like, Oh yeah, there is. There's like Melted Man who's like, ah, and it's like that's CG the thing. It's got grosser yeah. effects. Um, the characters are edgier. They swear more. I, I don't know. I, yeah, you know what? You're right. Deep Rising is a much better... Uh, example of this kind of movie that I would like. And I feel like if Tremors were a little bit more R-rated or R-rated or a little more adult, I might like it more. Uh, but for it is, for what it is, it just is something that like, I can see liking it as a kid, but at this point it just didn't, didn't really do much but, for me. But uh, we're not reviewing Tremors as this blind buy. We're reviewing Tremors, Shrieker Island. So Mark doesn't like Tremors. The world Obviously love, love tremors, tremors in the same way they love Children <laughs> of the Corn because this is the seventh Tremor movie. Seven movies. That is insane to me. And you know that they not only did a sci-fi Tremor series, they tried to do a new one recently with Kevin Bacon and they didn't pick up the pilot. I was reading about that, which would have been interesting that Tremor, because I know Kevin Bacon, even though he never returned for any of the sequels, always talks about how much he loved filming Tremors. So it would have been nice to see him back in this what world. What stories do they have left to tell? Because well, looking at Tremor Shrieker, island none they got none yeah so you know i thought maybe going into shrieker island you know i wasn't worried really worried about missing anything in the ensuing you know five segments but i was like you know what this is obviously going to be terrible maybe i'll enjoy it more for like a so bad it's good vibe no this tremor shrieker island was probably one of the worst movies i've seen this year not even entertainingly bad it doesn't give you anything like if you're making a dtv film why don't you just put on the gore Give us some weird tremors running around. Instead, it's just a bigger one and the same walking ones that we've had since the second movie. I know you didn't see that one, Mark, but that's what happened in the second movie. And that's it. There's like 30 characters. None of them are distinct. It sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. And this one has the star power of John Heater, Mr. Napoleon Dynamite himself, who's looking old and bored and yeah just just not he doesn't good. even get to make any jokes or anything it's weird and then of course you've got you know tremors stalwart michael gross back for this who <laughs> has been in every single Spoiler, he finally gets to escape the series exactly right um and you know i don't know i guess this is just his thing right i, re- I remember i think i was reading the trivia for either the first one or for this one and there was some depressing trivia note about like how michael gross was the only cast member to show up for like the tremors reunion thing that had been held in like 2019 and what he's the only person that he's showed the up only person yeah i mean do people love his character a lot because watching the they first do Tremors, they love like the gun nut like hunter guy i guess yeah see i didn't find i mean obviously he's a smaller role in the first one and i thought he yeah, was, he's got nothing to do in the yeah, first one he didn't really leave an impression on me and in this one i was like 
I don't know. You didn't really make me laugh or anything. So, I don't, but I mean, nothing was good about this. The CGI alone is like, Ugh, like the worst kind of video game effects that you can imagine. Yeah, the whole thing just doesn't really have any reason to exist other than to please, I guess, all the Tremors fans out there. So, like, are there a lot of Tremors fans out I there? I guess there are, and they're watching these movies. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep making... It's the same question I asked recently about, like... I mean, I could understand there's Tremors fans, because people love the first movie. But I asked this question recently about Children of the Corn. Like, I've never met one that, like, loved the Children of the Corn series. Or even, like, really loves the first movie. They like it. Yeah, even the first one is kind of like, yeah, all right. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Actually, I watched the third one. It is great. Highly recommend it. Uh, Children of the Corn Urban Ar- Harvest. If you want corn-based violence, fulfilled with it. Yeah, I have to agree with you. That's the only one of the sequels I've seen, and because I saw it like on TV as a kid, and I actually thought that was like kind of more fun. Well, than you the need original. to see how violent it is because it's people are being split in half in the movie, and like yeah. It's all, see, I think I got the edited for television. It's all screaming version, Mad so. George effects. Ooh, that's and cool. there's like weird, like hallucinatory. It ends with a giant ten minute monster sequence where monsters like ripping people apart and like eating them and stuff like that. So. Yeah, but anyway, so Tremors. Back to the Tremors. No recommendation. Shriek no recommendation. Oh, but you know what? To sum things up for Tremors, I, I'm a big fan of IMDb user reviews. And <laughs> I, I, found, I found a nugget, which might help explain why people like the Tremors movies. So there was a review from a, from a esteemed critic that gave it 7 out of 10. Big fan of the Tremors movies, he says. He says, I for one love the Tremors movies, and this one didn't disappoint. My favorite character is Bert. So there you go. So not sure what happened with him. Don't know if he decided to retire or they're getting tired, but it's not at all like the Fast and the Furious to me. Huh? I hope they don't kill off Bert. And then he just talks about how much he hopes they don't kill off wait, Bert. Wait, he didn't see the movie and he gave it 7 out of 10? Well, that's what I, I'm not sure because I'm like, you know, spoiler alert, Bert. Bert you know, dies, dies at, the end, of the, at the end of this. <laughs> I'm like, did you watch this? And you're just ho- so what it got. <laughs> I'm like, did he think, like, maybe it's a joke ending? Like, you know, somebody, you know, he's not actually going to be dead, so maybe he's going to be alive. I mean, he is killed so unceremoniously that I'm like, oh, I guess he's dying here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? So I guess he's dead. But this gentleman is very, you know, wants to give much love and respect to you, Bert. Thanks for giving me much laughs and enjoyment. Uh, You know what? We don't want to take anything away from anyone. That's the thing. You know, I I can't hate on, you know, I watched... Tons of stupid movies. I watch, you know, four or five Robert movies. So if people like to watch the Tremors movies. <laughs> oh, you haven't gotten a Robert movie in in forever. I know. I know. You know, times have been tough around here. And I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so moving on. We've got an actual good horror movie, I guess. Amulet. I've been hearing a lot of good things about this. This is directed by Romola Garay, who is an actress probably best known for Atonement. Kind of like a religious-y themed horror movie. I'm hearing really good things about this. Ooh. Yeah. And then we got some TV stuff because I know how jazzed we are to talk about TV. So we've got What We Do in the Shadows Season 2. Are you a fan of the show? I watched the first season. Very funny. People have said the second one even funnier. So I should check this Uh, out got the purge season two um, you know what i love the purge series like the movies especially frank grillo as like a punisher in the purge right, world right. 
I did not check out the Purge TV series, but I don't know, maybe one day. Yeah, I guess, again, another franchise that has surprising amount of legs. I guess people enjoy the Purge I, series I, I enough. I think there's to... more to do in the Purge than, like, Tremors. But, I agree, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, you missed an important one, Nosferatu season two. <laughs> oh, of course. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, you're correcting me on my uh, my mistakes. I'm not doing a good job at this. Uh, Nosferatu season two. Is this something that you it's, watch? Yeah, so it's based on the Joe Hill book, Son of Stephen King uh, novel, which I guess it had a first series and now it has a second. I, I don't know anyone watching this. I'm shocked they made a second season from it. <laughs> I mean, it's surprisingly popular. It's been renting well, so I guess maybe it's just the time for it because it's Halloween, but... yeah. Perhaps. Uh, and then we've got, on a different kind of vibe, we've got Quiz, which is a British miniseries uh, that was out on a- AMC earlier about uh, the whole Who Wants to Be a Millionaire scandal, where that one I guy... never knew about the scandal. Oh, so you didn't know about this. I had heard about this, but on the British version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire before it was oh, like... Okay. This was before Regis Philbin did it in the U.S. Um, a, par- a guy cheated. Apparently, he had his friends sitting in the audience, and he would read out the answers, and his friend would, like, cough or, like, cough. Uh, under his breath or something and it would signify him and he ended up winning the million dollars but then it had to be clawed back so this is a mini series about that stars michael sheen wait who squealed i know right i don't know i don't know the whole details but i guess you know watch this mini series find out all about it directed by stephen frears right oh it is yeah i forgot uh even though in my notes i have directed by stephen freaks which i think that should be his new name name. (laughs) and it also stars michael sheen who i guess is like they're friends, right? They did all those, like, Tony... Yeah, I mean, Michael Sheen, if it's a British film, just like Colin Firth, he is the Greg Kinnear of British exactly, films. Exactly, right? <laughs> so, keeping with the British theme, we've got The Great Season 1, which is a new Catherine the Great series uh, with Oh my Elle god, there's so many I things know. left. I can't believe how much stuff is in this I new know. section. I know, Elle Fanning, Nicholas Holt, and this is from the writer of The Favourites, so I guess if you're a fan of that kind of vibe, not Yorgos Lanthimos, it's uh, Tony Mac- McNamara, so there's that and we've got a uh hbo miniseries the plot against america which was uh, an adaptation of the philip roth novel which... what if nazis actually took power i don't know look outside your windows dear listener <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> wah, wah. all right so moving on from tv into more important stuff like roger waters us and them uh I don't know. This one's for the boomers right here. Yeah, okay. stepdads is... are um, breaking down the doors at Bay Street Video. <laughs> they just keep releasing a new Roger Waters concert film every few years. And like the dads always call us. You got the, guys got the new Roger Waters thing? Uh, all right. Past that, we got some documentaries to blaze through. Uh, Mr. Alex Winter, Mr. You know. My man. Yeah, is... You know, pretty esteemed documentarian these days, and he's made the Panama Papers, which is about the Panama Papers. Uh, have you seen any of his docs? I hear his stuff is pretty good. You know what? I have it. I should check out his doc on the dark web. I would like to see his dive into that. Yeah, we have all of them here. So if you're interested, come on and check them out. I will definitely check out his Frank Zappa doc when it finally gets released. His magnum opus that he's been working on forever. That's awesome. Good for him. Good for him. He's found like a good second life as a documentarian. Uh, Then we've got John Lewis, Good Trouble, which is a documentary about the um, famous civil rights activist from Georgia. He actually died just this year, too. So the timing of this, I think it actually they made it. They released it like on his death. So I guess they were making it because I think the release date is like the date of his death or right around there. So it's kind of a spooky coincidence. Uh, And then we've got L.A. 92, which is kind of a found footage. Well, I guess not. Yeah. Found footage documentary. 
I guess that's not found footage. Well, it just uses archival footage from basically news reports. I understand and been, what you mean. Yeah, there's a term for that. So it's the whole race riots in uh, in L.A. after the Rodney King beatings. And I've heard this is pretty powerful stuff. Like it's all it's all basically archival footage. So you see a lot of uh, a lot of damage of basically how things have not really changed since then. So then we've got Scarborough, which is not a reference to Scarborough, uh, Canada. Oh, not where my dad grew up? Damn! Well, I guess there's some British seaside town called Scarborough, and it is the place where two couples, one a teacher and one a student, so, ooh, okay, weird, uh, <laughs> weird things going on there, go for a weekend, and I don't know, it's some relationship kind of drama. I'm doing a really good job selling these, you know, you know? <laughs> Uh, what do we got next? We got The Audition. This is a German film starring Nina Haas, who is probably best known for her work with Christian Petzold. She plays a violin teacher who um, neglects her son in favor of a uh, talented pupil. So, you know. Yeah, get rid of that failed child. Get this new talented She guy. wanted a new son, so she, she got a better son. I have a feeling it'll probably end with the pupil leaving her and her realizing that it's all been I a waste. I think it might be exactly that. <laughs> it's almost like you've seen this movie before. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Now that you've gone... Now that you've seen the audition, it's time to experience the devil's violinist. That's what happened to the pupil afterwards. <laughs> That's <laughs> so the next the, movie. Yeah, the devil's violinist, eh? I mean, this is continuing the theme of movies that are kind of new, but not really, since it came out in 2013 and is just coming out. <laughs> Wait, what the hell? <laughs> this is a uh, biopic on Paganini himself, and it's directed by our main man, Bernard Rose, who I feel like we've been talking about a ton on this podcast. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> so I months. guess, you know, he did Immortal <laughs> Beloved, so this feel felt like it was kind of you know right up his alley but you know here you go it's it's not very well reviewed which i guess is why it took so long to come out but uh all you paganini heads out there <laughs> isn't paganini horror didn't it come out a little while ago you gotta pick this one up too. yeah paganini horror so you know there's the kinski paganini one so you know make it a triple bill <laughs> of disappointment but yeah exactly <laughs> then we've got scarred hearts which is a romanian film from radu jude who you're a fan of right this is the guy who made a ferrum yes i am a fan of uh, Radu Jude. I have not seen this movie, which during the summer of 1937, Emmanuel, a young man in his early 20s, committed to a sanatorium uh, for treatment of bone tuberculosis. Oh, God. Sounds uh, like a painful kind of experience. Sounds like it's kind of painful, but he's got like kind of a sense of light sense of humor, does he not? So I feel like this is a little more comedic. I still haven't seen any of his movies, but he's got a ton out now. And this actually isn't even a new one. This is from a few years back because I think he's made a couple since then. But if you're a fan of him, check it out. Uh, then we've got some real heavy hitters here. Blue Ridge is a thriller with Jonathan Sheck. Remember him? Nope. Who's that? He is a 90s. So he was in the Doom Generation and then he was in the Forsaken. Remember that vampire movie? No, I haven't. I just watched it recently. Yeah. JT Cardone directed yeah, that bad boy. He's, he's the lead vampire, like the oldest vampire in that. You know, the sexy vampire. <laughs> They're all sexy vampires. Yeah. Anyways, he's still around making movies. He plays like some small town sheriff investigating a murder. Graham Greene's in this too. I don't know. VOD fodder for you. And now we've got a whole bunch of, like, Shudder... Whoa, 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 you're missing one. You forgot Spree. Oh, I sorry. I thought this was a Shudder one, but I guess it's technically not. No. Uh, yeah, because it is released by RLJE. This one is directed by... Can you say his last name, Mark? Ooh, I'm not going to be good with this. Yeah. <laughs> Can you say his last name? Eugene... 
Kotlyarenko. Not even close. But I actually really liked his last film, Wobble Palace. Yeah, I heard really good things about that. I've been meaning to catch up with his stuff. And then I saw this coming out and it looked, I don't know, I thought it looked kind of trashy. You know, it has the, one of the Stranger kid things, uh, kids in it. It's got David Arquette in it. It's a found footage film, too. It's a found footage film. It's got one of the stars of Vanderpump Rules, one of my former famous... Wait, uh, did you watch this movie? I did not, actually. I never got to this, but I heard Uh, really good things about it. Because I have to say... Uh, recently, Will Sloan posted the episode of the Important Cinema Club podcast we did on regional horror films, and the director commented saying, please review my movie, LOL. Ah, uh, no way. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I'm sorry. You know what? If if I watch it, I'll try and watch it soon, and then we can review it later. <laughs> we can come back to this you one. You know what? I watched Wobble Palace. I really liked it. But when I heard this was found footage, I'm like, no. Yeah, I feel like this could walk a really fine line between being funny and being obnoxious. Yeah. So I don't know. That's what was kind of holding me back. But I mean, I, I'm definitely intrigued. And it's got like an obnoxious quote on the front saying like from a critic saying it's like the American psycho for a new generation or something. Oh, like, no. You know, that just sounds lame. But I don't know if that just might be critic hyper- hyperbole. So. All right. Let's let's blaze through. It's legal in Canada. All of these shutter films. <laughs> All right. Shutter. Uh, yeah, we got a big shutter hall. So we got Dogs Don't Wear Pants, which actually I hear is good. It's like I a, mean, they don't wear pants. Yeah, it's a Finnish film about a dominatrix. I'm getting kind of like R100 vibes off of this one, if anybody's a fan of that film. I always think of this one because I think it was two years ago at TIFF. It was like one of those films that's like in the middle of the book that you flip through. Yeah, It's like they right? need to hit a certain quotient, so they're playing this Finnish movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's why this is here. Well, one of our suppliers that we got this from raved about this when we got it in so you know there's a random recommendation i guess i don't know i think it played at can there you go from one of the suppliers um, but past that we've got three i don't know kind of bad looking horror movies we've got the owners with Maisie williams which just kind of sounds like don't breathe to me it's kind of about a bunch of you know young criminals planning to rob a house and then the tables are turned on them so yeah that's exactly don't breathe it's just don't breathe but i don't know i guess it goes in a different direction maybe uh now we've got scare package which is yet another anthology film no! You know what's funny about that is that somebody was like, hey, why don't you make an anthology film with a bunch of people? I was like, oh, maybe I will, even though I hate <laughs> anthology movies. I know. Until you're until you're making one yourself. <laughs> well, it's weird because, like, I don't know. Why is it so hard for people to do anthology films? It shouldn't be that hard. I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, there's kind of like anthology burnout now. I feel like when, you know, when VHS was like, coming supposedly out. Supposedly they're going to make another VHS God, movie. Like, they've already done three, right? Do people like them? I liked the first one when I first saw it. Did you? Oh, did I ever tell you my story about VHS? Which is, uh, okay, this is the only time it's ever happened. Me and my friends, we waited in line. It was a big room oak screening. It was sold out. I, I was at that screening. And I think we got separated or I went to go get something for someone. And I came back and my friends had not saved a seat for oh, me. Oh, no. And they were like, oh, sorry, Justin. And I went, all right, I'm going home. And I went home. So, you, <laughs> so Wow. I've never seen it. Well, I was at that screening and it was okay. Yeah, I mean, I had fun with it, but, you know, I don't think you missed much. But, like, I mean, I like segments from VHS 2. I like segments from VHS 3. Um, so, but it's like the overall movie. Like, they don't talk to each other clearly. Like, they don't, they just go on their own devices. Well, that's what it's it just, always ah. is with anthology films. It's hit or miss, right? Like, you like some of it. You don't like other parts of it. A lot of the time it doesn't Is cohere. it because, like, the producer's 
don't want to get too involved. Like, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they just, yeah, want to give as much know, leeway man. to each individual director to just do whatever they want. So then they're left with a bunch of things that don't really relate, but they've got to find a way to kind of like package it all together. I mean, I have an anti-short film bias only because... And I'm not one to get up on a big uh, pedestal and say it, but like people don't know how to structure a short film or deliver what like a short film needs at the end. You're like, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah. So I agree. I think short films need a beginning, middle and an end just like And they a don't have film. them. So That's like a many... basic thing. I know. I went, you know, when I was in film school, we were making shorts or just like even when I see shorts that get into festivals now, so many of them are just like one concept or idea and that's it. And there's no like sense of tension or beginning middle end there's no yeah, structure set to up it. twist payoff or the like short thing where they think you care about what's happening way more than you do because there's been no setup it's like i don't care about Who this cares? yeah so <laughs> yeah anyway scare pack maybe it's good i don't know i don't know maybe <laughs> i'm not gonna watch it so who wait knows? who made the movies in it uh, uh, well, I don't recognize any of the directors except for Noah Segan, who I believe we talked about recently because he was in The Pale Door, I think. Oh, I believe the director of The Pale Door might have. Yeah, he did direct one of the segments. So he's in. Oh, yeah. Emily Hagen's directed one. She's the one who did. Oh, right. Uh, she did the pathogen. So, yeah, I mean, there could be some interesting work in here, but. I don't know. I guess you and I are never going to watch this. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like this. There's like a guy who directed. Oh, he did a bunch of shorts. He did this death metal short in Bad Guy Number 2. I remember these shorts because he was one of those guys who raised like a bunch of money to make the money. Could be okay. I mean, it's actually been selling fairly well. The packaging is they've kind of done like a creep show-esque kind of cover package to it. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it knows what it's doing and we're just we're just wrong. We're just judging a book by its cover. Cool so cover, though. And then moving on to the last Shutter title, which looks great. I didn't get a chance to check this out yet, but I certainly will. <laughs> Called Confessional. So this is a series of, yeah, just what they are, confessionals, where a bunch of students at a college, I think, after a series of murders, they're all invited to a confessional booth on campus, and the film is just their confessions, which I guess reveals something about who committed this murder or something. <laughs> it looks pretty terrible, but I'm a sucker for these kind of movies. Um, and it kind of looks reminiscent of that other Shutter movie that's blowing up now, Host, the like Zoom film that they that's a big deal. It almost seems like this is trying to like piggyback off of that, even though this was made, I think, last year. So it's, it came first. But yeah, there's, you know, if you want some potential spooky found footage type stuff. I mean, that's the final uh, Shutter movie, but it's not the final film on this list. You know list. what time it is? It's Willis Watch. <laughs> Do we have a sound effect for it? Oh, no, no. Wasn't it yeah. sigh? <sighs> we, need, we need a sound effect of Bruce Willis from one of these movies sighing, and then it would be perfect. Um, so this is Hard Kill, the latest Bruce Willis movie. Please don't tell me you watched this. You better believe I watched this. It's from the guy who did Trauma and Center. It is, and it also stars that same actress from Vanderpump Rules that I'm always talking about, who's also in Spree. She's in two movies this week. This is crazy to me. Uh, Lala Kent, who is a terrible actress, by the way. She's not good or anything. She play, She's she been upgraded, though, in this film from a supporting role to Bruce Willis's daughter, no less. So she shares, shares several scenes with Bruce Willis. 
Otherwise, this movie is about as terrible as you would imagine. It all takes place in a ware, in like an abandoned warehouse somewhere. Does he get out of his chair? (laughs) That's the real question. I have to say, Bruce Willis does a little bit more in this film. He's a little bit more energetic. um, Because Trauma Center, he looked drunk the whole time. He was barely in it. It didn't look like he was even there for like the shots of other actors, even though if it was like in the same scene as him. Whereas in this one, he actually shares a bunch of dialogue scenes and he actually looks more lucid than ever before. And he actually kind of runs around and shoots some guns a little bit. Uh, the movie is still terrible, but I mean, I guess Bruce, you know, had a few coffees the day he was shooting or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. The one day. So yeah. I mean, otherwise the story is about some like, you know, computer chip that's fallen into terrorist hands and somehow it all culminates in this big warehouse thing. It basically just takes, takes place at this abandoned warehouse with a bunch of guys shooting at each other and Bruce Willis trying to save his daughter amidst all of this. And that's all I can really say Ooh, about that. Oh, I'm looking that. forward to the next uh, Bruce Willis film, Anti-Life. <laughs> oh, God. What's this one about? <laughs> it looks like a sci-fi. Ooh. Uh, it, Bruce Willis is on an interstellar arc fleeing a dying planet. <laughs> see, that that is more intriguing to me. The, that the is shape-shifting I... alien creature. I want to see this movie because Bruce Willis definitely doesn't know what's going on. No, no question. There's no he way. He's going to be Thomas a... Jane is in it, of course, because he legally has to appear in these movies. Well, they were both in that sci-fi movie a few years ago called Vice or something like that where it was like sort of like a surrogates kind of copy but like right. cheaper so what was the last theatrical film that bruce willis was in oh sin city a dame to kill for oh yeah i mean i guess he shows up in the die hard movies every once in a while no the last one was a good day to die hard and that was it that came before that i guess the last film that he started in was red too he was in glass though right i guess you count that oh that's right he was oh, and he in did glass. death wish i mean that was only a couple of years ago oh terrible yeah, yeah yeah i never saw that one so he he shows up i mean he's still a big enough name to like be in theatrical films here and there but he must be making most of his money from the vod market right uh, now. letterbox has mclean on here 2023 Directed by Len Wiseman. Don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's like John McClane rumored in this one. So who knows if he's actually going to be in this. But yeah, he's got titles like Out of Death coming out, which I'm sure is going to be terrible. <laughs> he's got something called a Reactor, Cosmic Sin. Like he's got some. <laughs> Those sound like some made re- up movies. Some, I know, right? These are real titles, apparently. And then he's got one called Midnight in the Switchgrass, which... Um, also stars Megan Fox, who, you know, we're big fans of here, and Emile Hirsch and Lucas Hawes. This is a this is one that I'm Listen, interested in. You're always gonna be there. You're on um, Willis Watch. So I'm on Willis Watch all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So until the next time we meet Bruce Willis, my name is Justin the Glue. I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on watch. Love you, Bruce. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.